That is as close as I get to playing the saxophone. I have never played a sax in my life. Lucky for you guys. Welcome back to the Metropolitan Culture Corner. I'm happy to be here. I'm always happy to be here because I get the opportunity to speak to some of Barcelona's most incredible people. Barcelona Metropolitan has been around for like 20 something years. They support the local scene and they keep us informed on what's going on in the international stage. And yeah, I'm just so happy to have the opportunity to sit down with you all once a month. Speaking of local talent combined with the international stage, our guest this month is Danny Nello and he's an iconic figure on the local scene. You can recognize him with his cool suits and his sax case by his side at all times. He participates in benefit concerts, he plays local clubs, but he is also an international rock star. And I do not use that term lightly. The best way that I can think of to describe this man is una máquina, an expression in Spanish which means a machine. He just doesn't stop, can't stop, won't stop. At the age of 17, he was asked to join an already established Spanish rock band called Los Rebeldes, and he formed a part of that project for the next 12 years. They went on to have spectacular stellar success they're one of the most iconic spanish bands in the history of spanish rock and roll and he went on to do all kinds of things after that he had a rhythm and blues band rockabilly jazz r&b soul a combination of all of those things he's collaborated with all kinds of musicians los lobos jackson brown Bunbury, john parish he's composed soundtracks for television shows he's done music for commercials he has a radio show he's worked in theater he produced shows for David Trace. He's been the leader of I don't even know how many musical projects, but they always have one thing in common, the explosive energy they have on stage and the absolute top tier musicianship. Um, I don't know how this guy finds the time and the energy, but it's always fascinating to speak to him because not only is he an amazing musician, but he knows so much about music. So if I were you, I'll grab some popcorn, get comfortable because this is gonna be a fun one. When you are in the studio, you are in a limbo, you know, with the door closed and music, great sound, good friends, and good musicians, that's the best, that's the best. You can experiment, it's fantastic. It's like very close to cooking. When the musicians have the studio, you have all ingredients in the in the board, no? and you start to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I love, I like to do different things. My radio show, the producing, all these things, I'm in contact total with the music, but it's not uh, going to Galicia. You have to uh, administrar las fuerzas. <laughs> Hello, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. I know you're very busy. Welcome. There are so many things that you have done in your professional life, but I wanted to start at the beginning. I know you started playing professionally when you were 17, but before all that, how, I mean, how did you start playing music at all? Why did you pick up the saxophone? I listened to a lot of records from my, my parents. They used to listen jazz, blues, Beatles, Stones, Dylan, John Baez, and classical music, and I love it. I think uh, at 12, I bought my first guitar. It was a Spanish guitar, and I'll try to learn some chords, Beatles songs, Elvis songs. Then I discovered rockabilly and rock and roll from the 50s, and I like it very much. I'll try to emulate all these people. Before that, I have classical uh, education in school here, classical methods, I mean, nothing special. I try it with flute, with piano, but eh, no, I don't like it. When I really started was with the, the guitar, I learned by myself, I mean. But at 15, a friend of mine um, made a home clarinet, <laughs> a clarinet, and I started to try with the clarinet, eh, 
was okay, but a guy with a pompadour and want to be a Elvis with a clarinet doesn't work. So I asked another friend for an, an alto sax and I, I'll try with an alto sax and that's different. The power of the sax, I don't know, it was an instant love with the sound and the vibration of the reed on my mouth with the mouthpiece the vibration of the, the instrument in my hands and it sounds super loud <laughs> and, and I like it very much. And so I started to play with the records with Louis Jordan, Bill Haley, some rhythm and blues. So I did the transition, the alto to the tenor and the tenor, yeah, was wow. This is serious, more low frequencies, more power, no? And I love it. So one day, uh, Carlos Segarra from Los Rebeldes in the 80s called me and, and told me, hey, Danny, you want to try with us? We, we need a sax player. I say, well, yeah, but I started two years ago. I'm, I'm a little bit clumsy in my sound. Ah, it doesn't matter, you come, come. I suppose I did it well. No, not so much technical, but a lot of attitude. Uh, so I started to play with Los Rebeldes in May of 1985, with 17 years old. For 11 years, I uh, was playing with that band. I quit the band around 97. I start my solo work. It's called Nelo y la Banda El Zoco. Rock and roll with a little bit of Latin touch. Me singing and playing the saxophone. I like it, but the voice is not my instrument, definitely. My instrument is the saxophone. If you went from two years of playing in your house, you know, with your records, to suddenly touring well, with a very successful band. I mean, what did that teach you as a musician? Because you basically learned on the road, right? Yeah, I went to Taller de Musics here in Barcelona, but so slow for my necessity, you know? I was playing with some local bands, but yeah, it was super fast. And my first gigs, I guess, uh, <laughs> but little by little, I started to learn. From, uh, I think, 88 or 89, apart from Los Rebeldes, from this band, I started to play in clubs, rhythm and blues, soul, jazz, scene here in Barcelona. And uh, this is different. You play in uh, small places, you have the people right there, one or two meters, no? So every note you play, you can see the face, like, you know, the expression, the result of your music, no? From that moment, when, when I left the band, I decided to do instrumental music. You said you tried singing, no, with Nelo and the Banda del Zoco, and then later you had Sandur Le Noir, which were these very famous blues guys. What was the thing that made you decide, you know, I really want to focus more on this jazz and blues sound? Were you always a fan of jazz and blues, or did you just find this combination of musicians in this particular band? I guess I, I found a good company in, in, in these bands like Tandori Lenoir who helped me to learn to express myself with, with the saxophone. And I always like to compose from late 80s for theater, advertising and for jingles, TV series, and I like it very much. Because when you compose for theater, for, for example, you write things that you never uh, write for you, for yourself, for your project, no? In the period when you were writing for the productions for the Factoria Escenica Internacional, there was lots of very, very different base material, like Greek mythology, Shakespeare. I mean, how is that different as a creative person to not necessarily write for your project, but also write for someone else with Shakespeare as a base? No, what's the difference in the approach for you? Yeah, you, you have to get into the play, the text, be very close with the vision of the director. Not just the text, the spirit of the play, no? What the dramaturgo, the dramaturg, <laughs> uh, try to express with with this. It's very interesting to do it, because it's like, como disfrazarse, no? To disguise yourself. Yeah. 
So I enjoyed very much. At one point in 2009, at the same time I was working with the theater, I started a band called Los Mambo Chambo. It's a four-piece band. We play some rhythm and blues, rock and roll instrumentals. Very high energy. We start to play and we have success very fast. We start to play in Europe and then we went to Mexico, we went to Brazil and last year we celebrated the 10th anniversary of Los Mambo Jumbo and it's, you can say it's my big project now. We are composing now and so we are writing and practicing for when we can after this this mess uh, we're gonna record a born album. I'm very lucky to find these colleagues, these musicians, Ivan Kovacevic on, on bass and Anthony Olin drums and Danny Valdez on guitar. We are like brothers, man. We understand each other very well. How is it different if you, for example, are working on composing a piece for a commercial, or you're just playing around with ideas, or you're working with Mambo Jambo? I mean, what is the difference for you when you're composing with this group versus the other things you do? I mean, it's like when you write a letter to a friend or a institution or your father, you know, is you write different. I mean, you have to be very open. One thing is, I like to listen very different music, hard rock from the 70s, uh, acoustic music from India, whatever. You know, you have to be open, and and then you have to use it. You know, I'm a, a kind of not not thief, but but when you compose you have to get into your influences. In the tradition of sax players, if you hear, I don't know, Brett Price or King Curtis, they play what they listened before and transform to a new thing, no? So we have to do the same thing. I mean, I listen King Curtis or all these sax players that I like. I'm not trying to imitate. It's like a, not a carrera de, de relevos. In English, you'd say it's like a relay race where somebody passes the baton on to the next. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the idea. So composing the same. You have to evoke images, sensations, worlds, situations, the scenes, you know? That's what I try to do with a melody and rhythm. You have uh, different like painters have the, the la paleta, the palette. <laughs> yeah, you have the rhythm, the melody, the sound, the texture, and then you you paint your your own. Oh, how poetical. <laughs> no, no, that was beautiful. That was great. I mean, speaking of that kind of thing, no, you've talked a lot about how much you admire these saxophonistas from the 1950s, which is what I think in one of your projects, the other project, Saxophonistas Salvajes. I mean, what is it about that kind of music that inspires you? No? In the late 40s, when the swing era was beginning to to, to end. A lot of good musicians start looking for uh, new languages. In one way was the bebop, another way was the, the beginning of rhythm and blues. People like Illinois Jacket or Buddy Tate or Arne Cobb tried to do a new language, a little bit raw, a direct for the people, no, the sound of the big bands, no, 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 something more direct to dance, to enjoy, you know. These guys that started in the late 40s, they break some walls, racial, social. So the, the white guys start to, to listen to this music, rhythm and blues, and then all these women transforming in rock and roll, and after it's soul and fun. I mean, this is like a chain of, of sax players 
the who stars in the late 40s till the 70s, whatever. You know? All this period have uh, high energy sax players. They play for the people, you know, straight to the people. I think it's a gold period, uh, late 40s to the 70s in popular music. Okay, yeah, and in the 60s, the electric guitar took out the, the sax with the pop and British invasion and all this. This chain of, of sax players doesn't stop in the 60s or 70s. I mean, like Clarence Clemens from History Band, he's on the chain too. The history keeps continuing, no? Yeah. yeah. So with these records, with the saxophonistas salvajes, I'll try to do, to show some of these compositions played now with a contemporary vision, contemporary sound, uh, with a personal arrangement, not try to copy exactly, it doesn't make sense to copy exactly a song in the, in the 50s. No? With these records, if some people are getting to this kind of music or getting to these sax players that I, I played, I'm, I'm happy. After some gig, a young kid with 14 or 15 years said, hey, I listen to your record and then I discover uh, Lee Allen. This guy, he's amazing, you say, yeah, I'm happy. That's a good reason to record all this stuff. Apart from being a musician who's a leader of many, many projects, you also have a radio show, Jazz Watutsi, and it doesn't seem like you ever get bored, no? Because it seems like you, for example, once you have Mambo Jumbo, which is working great, then you decide to add 16 more musicians and expand it to make it an orchestra, no? And once that's working great, you're like, no, saxophonies the salvajes, I'm gonna go do something else. So how do you have how do you have time to come up with all of the things that you do? I don't know. I mean, um, I like movement, movement all the time. I can say the, the music is my first thing in life, my family, of course, but I get up very early in the morning and I say, what can I play now? What can I listen? And this is like a dynamo. When you have more movement, you have more light. And I believe in that movement. Uh, I don't know. To listen music, to play music, the musicians that I play with, are my best friends, always, you know? You just know playing with uh, with musicians, you play with people, so you have to, an emotional thing. I cannot play with a guy that I don't like to drink a beer with. It's love for the music. Speaking of that love of music and the excitement and always finding new ideas, um, you also produce other bands and you've worked on soundtracks and things, so when you go into the studio to produce somebody else's music? Like, what do you bring to the other artists as a producer? I like it very much because you don't have the, the pressure to play. Uh, of course, I produce uh, my records, Mambo Jambo on me. And you have to be a translator between the emotion and the technology and use the technology as we're talking about with the, the palette, <laughs> you know? I like uh, vintage sound, but I, I like the contemporary technology. So you have to do a mix of these two worlds to get uh, the results. I know that you've collaborated with a lot of different musicians and some of them are people who are well known like Raimundo Amador, Jackson Brown, touring all over the world. But whether it was someone famous or not, is there any moment that you remember as a young musician that really impacted you and affected how you saw music or how you thought, I want to be that kind of musician? Yeah, there are a lot of different people. Uh, Maceo Parker in 89 in Jazz Cafe in London. When I saw it, it was like, oh, 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 come on. You can do that with a saxophone. Like, uh, then when I saw Brian Setzer with Stray Cats, 
I have a very special memory 10 years ago, something with Nick Curran. Nick Curran was a rock and roll, rhythm and blues, guitar and singer and composer. Amazing, amazing. He died of cancer, very young, very young, very young. But he's pure rock and roll, Nick Curran, remember that name. The thing is, when you saw pure talent, you know, it's like uh, lights, like wow. This you cannot buy, you cannot study that. This is natural. I believe in this platonic image of the world of ideas around here, you know, and we are like a canal, a canal no? to transmit all this world of ideas built after years and years and years of human history. And I like your interview, this is awesome. This is why I love these interviews, because they make me happy and they remind me why I like music. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Last question, I promise. Um, what was it like the past weekend playing the last show in Rock Sound? Because we, as a city, just lost this great sala, this great venue that's a small venue, but it's really supported a lot of different kinds of musicians over the years. So I just wanted to ask, what was that like to be there for the last concert? We have a very bad tradition here in Barcelona. We don't take care of the, the clubs. I mean, no, we, I mean, the city, after years and years of bad uh, politic direction for the clubs and the salas, it's a mess. Uh, the last gig was emotional, a lot of good friends to say goodbye to the, the club. We start, no, no, just half an hour and uh, now, but when you are playing, we play uh, for, I don't know, three hours or something like that. Rock Sound is this kind of place that exists in every city, rock place. Uh, you go to Berlin and open the door of whatever club, and say, you saw different pictures, listen to music, I'm home now, <laughs> you know? It's a rock and roll place, it's very nice, so. Thanks a lot. I hope that we hear you soon live on stage when all this COVID stuff passes. Thank you to you, muchas gracias, anytime. Barcelona Metropolitan family, I know you enjoyed that. I totally did. In this world, in this crazy time we're living in, just to see somebody who's excited about what he does. I mean, you heard him. He started when he was 17 and he's still a kid, like excited about music. And I think that's something that all of us need a bit more of in our day to day, no? Remembering what it is that makes life worth living and to remember that in spite of it all, we just got to keep going. That's one thing that I love about this Metropolitan series. It allows me to talk to people who inspire me. I hope they inspire you. Tune in next month for the Metropolitan Culture Corner. And as always, be safe.